0: Red Arms, Give it your all! We will we'll the, the wine to the, on the, of the shadows. Shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin, and today we're jumping into chapter 23, Sealed. Um, quick recap. Uh, Egwene gets called to her accepted tests and she has some three silver arches to get through. And so she goes through the, all three of them by the end of the chapter, each one appearing to be worse than the last. And like we talked about in the last chapter slash episode, um, they're kind of domino effects one into the other based off, off of her fear. And the final one seeming to be the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. And it was really, really, really weird. And I, I did call something in terms of like mentioning it as like, well, that'd be really crazy. Wouldn't it? And it's going to be kind of confirmed this chapter. So look forward to that. Um, Maybe your own theories would come close, but I called it on the head mostly because I obviously know the series but also because that's what happens and it'll literally be mentioned in this chapter. Um, but yeah, so the end of chapter 22 was Egwene in her final arch, just walking through the archway and basically the way it's described as being basically being pulled apart fiber by fiber. And that's ironically how chapter 23 starts. She's being, light is pulling her apart fiber by fiber, slicing the fiber to hairs that drift apart, burning and drifting and burning forever. Forever. That's the opening line for chapter 23. And obviously it doesn't mean too much except for to explain kind of like what the effect of going through the silver arches is like. Although this could be an extra, le- or an extra, le- <laughs> an extra different Um, reaction I guess like this might not be the normal reaction based upon the following (laughs) so Egwene comes out of the Silver Arch cold and stiff with anger and she has anger cold as death and she remembers basically the last one which is basically her abandoning Rand to Elida after she had been deposed as Omerlin in the traitor's court and she wanted to get Rand out of there, which all of the things she was thinking of were absolutely ridiculous because what is she going to do? Oh, well, I can lift Rand out of there. Well, then you have literally all the Aes Sedai in the traitor's court that will just literally just yank him down and you cannot fight all of them. Oh, well, they'll shoot at him. They'll attack him. They'll try to kill him. Well, I can shield him while you're lifting him. No, probably not. You... You are not aware of your own abilities, let alone a futuristic situation where you're just like, yeah, I could do multiple different weaves simultaneously against the entire tower. No problems. And even if you did get him out of there, you pulled him on top of a tall tower. How's he going to get down? You can just chuck him off into the river and say, good luck to your end. was all kind of silly how she thought about it. But the only thing that really mattered was her fear of leaving him and not keeping her from getting back to the Silver Arch she's just really angry about it and she's like oh is that is, is that everything that i can expect in the future is just going to be abandoning him over and over again to leave him and betray him to the ice and eye? although she doesn't say i said i she doesn't mention just the abandoning aspect but then she just realizes that it's apparently chaos outside of the uh, silver arch so the Amralin's there and you know, Gwen's been told, like, yeah, she's going to be there for the finale, essentially, to raise her to accepted. But then there's also a shawled sister from each Aja, but they're all looking worried. Um, two Aes are at the place around the Tyrongrel, sweating dripping on their faces, which means they had to do double the power to keep the thing running for some reason. Um, the Tyrongrel hummed. Pretty much vibrated with violent streaks of color tearing across the white light inside the arches. And give you kind of a visual of that. But then there's the glow of Sidar, and it's enveloping Shirion, the mistress of novices. And she puts a hand on Egoyne's head, and what she's doing is delving. Um, it's not called delving right now, but it will be called delving later. Um, a couple paragraphs from now, actually. And the mistress of novices is relieved to find that she is unharmed and is well, and she makes that aware to the omerlin and other Aes Sedai. But Agwen's like, Were they not expecting me to be? But everybody else seems to be relieved of a lot of tension and worry. But then, <laughs> ironically, Elida let out a long breath and then ran over to the last chalice. Now, this is really funny because Elida, who didn't want her to take the test, who seems to have nothing but disdain, which you'll find out more of in this chapter as well, for Egwene, just absolutely despises Egwene. And you're like, but why would she do that? Is it because she's Black Aga? Is it because she's this? Is it because she's that? And like is it because she got Elaine into trouble? You know, all these different reasons, which she'll find out later. But Elida lets out a long breath and then <laughs> hurries away and just like... Wow, Elida was actually caring about her for some random reason. So she's like, well, there's something going wrong. But the Aes Sedai around the Real didn't relax. The had lessened, but the light began flickering again, signaling the Tirongrael was settling towards basically calming down. But the Aes Sedai looks like they're going to have to fight it every inch of the way. And Agwai's like, well, what, what, what happened? And i like just be quiet right now you know just be quiet you're well that's what we want and we have to complete the ceremony so a lot of show pretty much runs with the chalice the third chalice and hands it to the amraline and Egwene, you know just hesitates for a second and then she kneels down and she's thinking like what what went on while i was in there and the amalan decides to empty the chalice over her head and gives her a spiel you are washed clean of a from alvir from you are washed clean of all ties that bind you to the world. You come to us washed clean in heart and soul. You are Egwene Alvir, accepted of the White Tower. And then when the last drop splashes onto Egwene's hair, she says, you are sealed to us now. And that's the verbatim, obviously, except for the splashing part, um, verbatim of what the Amaralyn says and is the ritual ending words, if you will. And, ironically, Egwene takes this between, or I guess, Egwene and the Omelan. Take this as kind of like the last words, you are sealed to us now. As a very special meaning, which is the whole you are my hound kind of thing, locked and loaded. Um, but the Omelan, you know, thrusts the chalice at just a randomized die and produces a gold ring in the shape of a serpent biting its own tail. That's the the ring of the Aes Sedai. And uh, Akwain kind of trembles as she raises her left hand and she has to wear it on her third uh, to the left finger, which is your standard ring finger for like when you're married, or you have a wedding and you get your ring. I mean, anyone can put a ring, fi- a ring on that finger, but it, that's the same one that you'd expect from somebody who has a spouse. And you're like, oh, pop this on uh the ring finger and that lets people know that you are taken kind of thing it's that kind of cultural meaning but in this regard uh it doesn't mean that <laughs> it means um you aren't accepted but when you're eyes die you can wear it on any finger you would like um doesn't include thumbs because thumbs are not fingers don't you know so <laughs> um And I doubt anyone would wear it on their ring finger when they're raised to Aes Sedai as to avoid being confused with and accepted. So pretty much any finger outside of that. Now, I don't believe the rings are magical like the one ring from the Lord of the Rings where they change size and shape and whatnot to fit the finger size of the person wearing them. So if you have really big thick fingers, it slides on it. Or if you have really small slender fingers, it slides on it. It's the one-size-fits-all. So I'm sure if they want to switch it to a different finger, they're going to have to get it, you know, fixed. It's not really mentioned in the series. Um, I would imagine that whatever ring they get when they're raised to Aes Sedai, they probably wouldn't um, exchange that specific one out for another one. It's not just that it's a ring. It's the ring that they gained, they earned. So I don't think they'd be swapping that out. So they would probably have it, given to maybe a, a, a jeweler or something and then have them fix it out maybe somebody i i doubt it since working with metal is not really a thing this side of the ocean um so i doubt they're going to use the one power for it but maybe there's a tear that could adjust it or whatever i don't know because if you are not aware one ring on one finger does not mean it'll fit on all fingers for everyone but I think they're just trying to gloss over this because it's not really necessary to the story, but it's just a fun note since, one of my best friends is a jeweler and I've learned a lot about jewelry. (laughs) So, um, but yes, she has to raise her left hand and kind of trembles when the great serpent ring is put on her third finger on her left hand. Um, And here's the mention where whenever she becomes an Aes Sedai, she can wear it on whatever finger she chose, or not at all, if she has to hide who she is. But the Accepted had to wear it on the third finger on the left hand. But then the Amaralyn pulls her to her feet, not smiling, noted. um, Says, welcome, daughter, kissing her cheek. And Egwene is surprised and and kind of thrilled because it's not child, but daughter. So it's like an upgrade. (laughs) It's not... Hey, orphan. It's, hey, my kid. It's kind of a very, very different connotation to it. And, you know, she, always before she'd have been a child, I'm like, oh, don't worry, Egwene. You'll never grow out. <laughs> uh, but the Amarlin kissed her other cheek and says, welcome. Then stepping back, the Amaralyn looks at her and is like, hey, you know, get her drying into some clothes and be certain, be certain she is well. Very certain. You understand. And Shiryam's like, surprised, like, well, I am certain you saw me delve her. And again, delving is the, it's like a healing weave, but it doesn't actually heal. But what it does is it checks the body. I shouldn't say it's a healing weave. It's just most commonly associated with healing due to the healing or the ability to lock down things to be healed. Um, There's a bit of a debate on whether healing heals everything in the body or if healing heals something very specific. I would imagine healing the entire body would take more of the one power, more, I guess, energy from the, uh, channeler and would probably be more better to be just focused on something like, Oh, they have a head trauma focus on the head trauma. But whether or not, like, you heal somebody, it heals everything wrong with them, or if it heals just one specific thing, it's a bit of a debate. Um, I personally lean more towards they can do both. They can either heal the whole body, or they can heal a very specific part. Um, Just due to the nature of, if you had an army, say, and a whole bunch of guys got injured by fighting trolox, you you don't just go heal every single one the entire body when only one particular part needs healing, it would just make them exhausted and the ice to die or any other channeler wouldn't be able to do a large swath of soldiers to protect them and heal them if they're out of energy way after that. Like, you know, it's like I did 10 people. And I can't, I'm going to drop like a rock and sleep for a month. Well, that's not going to help the, the military. So you, you go in there and say, okay, well, you can survive this cut and this scrape this, that, and the other, but this one, this is a pretty bad one. So I will heal specifically that organ. So delving would help you find that particular, um, location and target it. So my dog's going nuts. I apologize. Although I don't think you can hear it, which is lucky for me, <laughs> but, um, essentially um sherry i'm surprised because you know i did deliver i did find i did find the issue and i did find what i could fix from it right like it's there's nothing there to fix so we're good so the omelette is like eh, whatever she she looks over at the tirangriol aka these silver arches and it's like i want to know what went wrong tonight and ironically i don't think she ever does <laughs> which makes it even better. Um, but the Amralin, you know, heads away. She's, you know, heading there very purposefully. But the other Aes Sedai around the Tirangreal, um, just kind of look at it with the Amralin. And it's, it's just a silver structure, arches on a ring. The Shiryam's like, well, the mother's worried about you. But it seems a little strange to Shiryam the extent she's worried. Um, But basically, Egwene gets a towel and gets her hair dry and wanted to cover herself until she gets her clothes. And she's like, well, what went wrong? I mean, why, why did she have a reason to be afraid for me or something? And of course, Egwene's thinking, well, the Amlin wants nothing to happen to her hound until the deer is pulled down. I'm like, "Well, well, yeah, there's that. But I mean, even if you weren't her hound, she would still be irritated because this is a process that literally raises novices to accept it. If you, if you can't do this, you don't get accepted. If you don't get accepted, you don't get Aes Sedai. So it's kind of a thing. You kind of have to make sure it doesn't happen again, so she got to find out the problem, and obviously it irritates the merlin But Shiryam's just kind of like frowning and You know, hands her the white dress with a bandit at the bottom with seven rings. One for each of the Ajahs, if you're wondering. So she pops into the dress, and she feels kind of disappointed. Now she's one of the accepted. A ring on her finger and the band's in her dress. But she's like, why don't I feel any different? I'm like, that's because you're still a childish idiot. That's, That's literally it. And I know I'm giving a lot of hate to Egwene, but there's a lot of valid reasons for it. And I'm sorry if you actually like Egwene, but... She's still a childish idiot. There's, there's no way around that. The entire series, she's a childish idiot. She just seems more adult in certain instances, (laughs) but adults can be childish too. That's kind of why it's referred to as childish. And it's an insult to call them a childish because they're not supposed to be a child. In her case, she technically is a child slash teenager, but even then it's, she's supposed to be more... Aware of herself, but again, can only blame her so far because she is a country bumpkin. But apparently, the other country bumpkins can grow up a lot faster than she can. So, anyway, Elida comes over with Egwene's novice dress, shoes, her belt, and her pouch, and the papers that Aaron had given her in Elida's hands. Kind of a big deal because Egwene's like, maybe she read them. I'm like, why would. Again, just like the last chapter why would anyone just start going snoop 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 i have a novice's information here snoop 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 i'm gonna just check everything they have go through their stuff because stealing is not a thing you know we just kind of take what we want because i said i and while technically that is true i'm pretty sure if i said i could just take whatever they wanted from novices literally any time, and it was a common act and a common thing Novices would a not carry anything. B would hide everything and make it so that I said I could never find anything because it's like the sheriff of Nottingham coming to rob the poor peasants, and Robin Hood be like, you gotta hide everything, and just like you'd hide your children, you'd hide your wife, you'd hide your husband, you'd hide your dog, you'd hide your cat, you hide your house, you'd bury it under the ground just so you know they don't come by and steal the thatched roof. You know, like it's unrealistic. For anyone to expect the Aes Sedai just to go rifling through things. Let alone for a novice. Aes well, I Sedai's I going to be like, hmm, I bet this novice has something useful. And right in front of a whole room of Aes That just seems really silly. But then again, we're talking about Egwene here. She's like, oh, well, thank you. So she's trying to eye the papers. Like, that's going to do anything. But okay. um, And... The string is still tied for the papers, which lets us know that Varen had given them to her in like a tied bunch. And she's like, well, how would I know if she's read all of them? I'm like, probably because she would be calling you out on it right now. <laughs> so uh, pretty, pretty obvious reasonings. So. She squeezes the pouch under the novice dress and she feels the tear ring inside. And she's like, well, at least that's still there. And there's a man, she could have taken that. I don't know what I would have minded, but I think I would. And it's like, again, I said, I aren't going to just thievery themselves through your stuff. Like that's not how it's going to work. So a lot of uh, brings up the reasoning as to why she's against Egwene doing all this, and you're thinking, Oh, it's it's gotta be because it's gotta be because she got Elaine into trouble, or because she's an evil lady, which you might not be wrong about, but <laughs> that's a different story. Um maybe she's black Aja, uh, blah 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 blah, all these different things, and you're saying like, oh, this, and she's like, Well, I didn't want you, she's really blunt. She's like, I didn't want you to be brought forward tonight. Not because of fear of what happened or no one could no one could see the problems of that happening, but because of who and what you are a wilder in other words, Elida had to learn how to channel Wilders have the inherent spark and wilders are thought less of by those who had to learn because the wilders are like essentially like if you have a batch of puppies or something that are given birth to by your your dogs and you train them from that very instant to be domesticated when they you go out into the wild and there's a dog just there being a wild dog and you bring it home and you train it obviously it's going to be different than the domesticated ones but it's a dog that's learned to survive on its own it's learned it's been doing the stuff for a while so it has to be taught to be de- domesticated and learn its abilities that it learned on the wild its own on the wild. And that's the kind of thing versus the wilder versus the the trained. Someone who has the spark versus someone who has to learn to grow the spark. Because like they have quote unquote a spark, but they kind of have to grow it. It's like the difference between having a seed and having a plant. You're yeah one side is basically trying to um nurture what they already have unlocked and the other one is trying to nurture the seed into unlocking so that they can have a plant so both have seed so technically all women have a seed that can grow into the channeling aspect but not all of them ever cultivate it to the point where it will actually blossom so that's why you have a lot of people who don't channel because they have the seed but it's just there. It's dormant. It's never going to wake up because they're not activating it in any shape or form. They're not being coaxed. Um, and there's probably different, more varying levels, even smaller than that, but we're not going to go into that because that will take another seven million years. But <laughs> um, to break it down, um, she's basically like, I, I know you learned a channel under Aes teaching, but you are still a wilder in spirit and in ways. You have vast potential else you would never have survived here tonight, but potential doesn't change anything. I don't believe you'll ever be part of the White Tower, not in the way the rest of us are, no matter what finger you wear your ring. It would have been better for you to just learned enough to stay alive and gone back to your sleepy village. Definitely better. And then she just stalks away. Egwene's <laughs> like, well, if she isn't Black Aljax, she's the next thing to it. <laughs> and I do find this funny because I know... <laughs> I get that Aes Sedai are prideful and jerks about it. And I get that they're supremacists to the nth degree when it comes to their position over all other mankind. Um, But I don't understand, like, if you have an Aes Sedai and they just learn differently from you, then you would think that the only thing that would be slightly important is the fact that they can do the same thing you do, they still have the same goals as you do, because Alida being of the Red, let's assume, for a moment, that there's a Wilder that joins the Red. And whether Alida was in favor or against, it doesn't matter. But a Wilder gets in. And there are plenty of Wilder Aes Sedai in the Tower, because not everyone has to be taught how to learn, because some of them had just learned naturally. That's the whole difference between a Wilder and Anon. But if one gets into the red Aja, is she going to be like, I'm not going to treat this red sister of mine, literally, like, in my Aja, very well, because, oh, she's a dirty, dirty wilder. And it's like, well, no, she's she's here to do the same thing you're here to do, which is to basically build up the hatred for men who can channel, and potentially men in general, and just, I don't know. (laughs) Like, not care about them like it doesn't make sense because they're already dwindling in numbers as it is because they can't seem to find more and more people who can do the spark or like it's just like we just went over the whole cultivation of the ability to channel versus the spark so the spark's what they're going to see so if they have the spark odds are they've done at least a very minimal wildering if you will So if they're not finding anything, all the novices should technically be Wilders. And it's like, well, you could just, I don't know, use your brains and figure out how to do it for everyone. And then you could have a lot of women and the tower could be like 20 million times larger than it is. But you don't. So whatever. But then Egwene looks at Shiryam and is like, well, you could have helped me out and said something. And and Shiryam's like, well, I would have helped a novice child. And Egwene's like, oh, well, I'm back to child again. And I'm like, well, the mistress novices will treat you differently than everybody else will. And it's like, well, I, I can protect novices where they need it, since they can't do it themselves. But you're accepted, and you have to learn how to protect yourself. But and studies Sheriam's eyes, thinking, like, well, maybe there's emphasis on that last one. Sheriam had had as much opportunity as a ladder to be. I'm thinking, like, you are literally looking for enemies and shadows at this point. Like, literally, whether it's legitimate or not, you are just looking for enemies. You'd be like the 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 chef coming out the back room giving you your soup. You're like, I wonder if she poisoned it. I'm like, did you, like, pick something up in Shadar uh, Shadal- Logoth and just, like, keep it in your pocket or something? Like, and forget about it and didn't have much of an effect on you until now? Like, because you're acting worse than Matt did. Like, oh, they're just trying to get it from me. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. It's like... No, there, there's there's nothing here that she could possibly have a reason to do. It's just like, oh, there's emphasis in that word. I'm like, some people talk differently than others. Some people put more emphasis on different parts of a sentence than others. This is normal because people are different. <gasps> but Egwene, again, is still a child and acts like one. And it's like, okay, well... She had just as ample opportunity. I'm like, except everyone would notice you going through a novice's stuff. And there's no reason. I'm not going to go through all that again. There's no reason for it. Anyway. Um, and she says, Shiryam, what happened tonight? And don't put me off. But Shiryam's eyes, like r- her eyebrows rose almost to her scalp. And she's like, oh, Shiryam's Sadai. I mean, forgive me, Shiryam's Sadai." She's It's like, hey, remember you're not an nice yet, child. And despite there being steel in her voice, she has kind of a smile on her lips. But as she goes on, she's like, Well, I don't know what happened, except that I fear that you almost died. Just kind of like, <gasps> and he's like, Well, and then Alana, the green sister, shows up and is like, Well, who knows what happens to those who do not come out of the Tyrion And she's known for her temper and her sense of humor. Um she could jump back and forth between them, is allegedly what her mo is. But she's like, I should have stopped you when I had the chance, when I first noticed that reverberation. It came back, but it came back a thousandfold. Ten thousand. The Terion Grial almost seemed to be trying to shut off the flow from Sidar or melt itself to the floor. And you have my apologies, but words aren't enough, not for what happened to you. I say this, and by the first oath you know it's true. To show my feelings, I'll ask the mother to let me share your time in the kitchens, and yes, your visit to Sherion as well. Had I done as I should, you would not have been in danger of your life, and I will atone for it. Now, this is kind of silly, because for one, what happened with the third should have happened with the first two. And you'll find out in a second why. But consistency is key, and for some reason it wasn't used. I don't know if this is on Robert Jordan, or if he had some like effect that had something else changed to it, or maybe it was the location of the arches in response to where the other issues were. We'll find out in a second, but I just wanted to point that out. That it seems kind of inconsistent. Um, but sheriam laughs like scan, like she's scandalized, and she's like, well, she's never gonna allow that. Alana, a sister in the kitchen is much less. That's unheard of. Impossible. You did what you had, or you did what you thought was right, and there's no fault to you. <laughs> So Alana's or uh Egwene talks to Alana and be like, you know, it's not your fault. She's like, well, why is she doing this? Maybe she's trying to convince me she didn't have anything to do with whatever went wrong. And it was like, you do realize that everyone can see her flows. Everyone. So she did something funky with it. Hmm, maybe somebody would notice. Like, why is there fire in here? Why is there earth? Why is there water? There's some air floating around. What's going on with that? Like, somebody would notice. But again, Egwene, child, enough said. But the image of a proud eye up to her elbows in greasy pots three times a day just to watch somebody convinced her she's just letting her imagination get away with her. I'm like, oh, something finally convinces you you're off your rocker. Maybe you should try that more often. But it was unthinkable that Alana should do as she said she would, but either way, the Green Sister didn't have any chance to see the list of names while tending the Tyron She's like, well, if Nenea was right, she wouldn't need those names to want to kill me if she's Black Aja. She's like, stop that! I'm like, yes, how about you stop that? You are, you're literally chasing shadows. He's like, oh, really? It wasn't. It wasn't your fault. Alana's like, well, had I done as I should, it never would have happened. And here's where we get to the little little detail. The only time I had ever seen anything like it was once years ago when we tried to use a real in the same room with another that may have been in some way related to it. Dun dun dun! So this tells us a lot about what happened because there's a specific <clears throat> Tyrongriel in a specific pouch that is held by a child. Sorry, was that too subtle? (laughs) But essentially, when two Tyrongriel of the same, similar type, I should say, not same type, of similar type are in the same room, there might, specifically when they're being used, not just that they exist in the same room, they have an entire warehouse Storehouse, I should say, of just countless Real. You, you can't possibly be like, hmm, all of this stuff. Yeah. It's all going to blow up in a second. So it's one that are being used. Then one, I should say, at least one of them is being used. And then another one nearby is like, oh, you're going to use them, but not me? Psh, I'm going to make this blow up. <laughs> but um, so we learn a little bit about these silver arches. There is a semblance of the world of dreams involved. How do we know this? Because tel Arunryad is literally what the ring does. It it helps you get into Ter- tel Arunryad, which is the world of dreams. So the silver arches are essentially physically entering into the world of dreams or tell i run riad so in doing this we know what happens to those people who don't leave it's a dream permanently you're physically there you're not coming back unless you know the way out which ironically if she hadn't gone in naked and had all of her goodies on her she technically would have vanished and then been able to come out potentially If she knew how to use the ring. So there's that. But even then. The ring may not have worked. Because the ring will only help you get there. the normal manner. Which is not normally. Full body incidents. Like you don't just. Go in. Like you, you don't physically enter your dreams. You have like a dream state. If you will. So that being said it changes a little bit of what happens cuz this the silver archers are basically like yeah we're going to send you in to the dream world come back through this and if they don't they don't <laughs> it's like well no wonder we're not exactly increasing our numbers <laughs> but anyway um, she's like well it's rare it's extremely rare to find two two types of tearongre like that a pair of them melted and every sister within 100 paces had a, had a headache for a week and she couldn't channel a spark What's the matter, Egwene? <laughs> and Egwene's squeezing her pouch because of the twisted stone ring, and she's like, "Oh, why is it warm?" It's like, "Wow, I almost killed myself." I'm like, eh, "Well, killing's a bit of a stretch, but you almost got yourself lost in a in a dream world." Sure, it's like, "Oh, nothing." Alana said, "I, I said I did nothing wrong. Um, you don't have any reason to, you know, share my punishments. None at all. None." Like. No, 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 nothing to see here. And Sharam's like, a bit vehement, but true. And Gwen's like, what does it mean to be green Aja? And Sherryam's eyes open wide with amusement and a lot of grinned openly. It's like, oh, just got the accepted ring on your finger and already trying to pick an Aja, huh? It's like, and this is, this is there's there's two, there's two descriptions. And the first one is this one, though it's not what Egwene was looking for. First, you must love men. I don't mean to be in love with them, but love them. Not like a blue who merely likes men, so long as they share her causes and do not get in her way. And certainly not like a red who despises them as if every one of them were responsible for the breaking. Amen. And certain, or, and, uh, (laughs) Alviarin, the white sister who had come with the Amralin, gave them a cool look and moved on. He's like, oh, and not like a white. Alana said with a laugh, who has no room in her life for any passions at all. I'm like, well, you only listed off a couple types, but maybe some others of the odd jobs would help. But then, green's like, well, that's not what I mean. What does it mean to be a green sister? But she's not sure that Alana understands, or that she would understand, because she doesn't really understand what she's asking. But Alana's like, hmm, okay. And this is the second description. Browns seek knowledge. Blues meddle in causes, and whites consider the questions of truth with implacable logic. We all do some of it all, of course, but to be a green means to stand ready. A note of pride enters Alana's voice. In the Trolloc Wars, we were often called the Battle Aja. All said I helped where and when they could, but the Green Aja alone was always with the armies. In almost every battle... We were the counter to the Dreadlords. The battle, Aja. And now we stand ready for the Trollocs to come south again. For Tarman Gaidon. The last battle. We will be there. That is what it means to be a green. And Gwen's like, oh, well, thank you. He's like, that is what I was. Because she's remembering her third passage into the Silver Arches, and she was a green Aja Omerlin. He's like, well, I wish I knew if it was real or if I had anything to do with here the now. So then the Omerlin shows up again and they curtsy to her. He's like, well, are you well? And her eyes flicker to the corner of paper sticking out from the, under the novice dress in Egwene's hands, but then jumps back to Egwene's face. And she's like, well, I will know the why of what occurred tonight before I am done. And Egwene, Egwene's cheeks reddened and is like, I am well, mother. And Alana surprised her by asking the amulet just what she said she would. And Amulet's like, Shh, I've never heard of that. The owner doesn't muck out with the bilge boys, even if he has run the boat on a mudflat. Which, of course, is very much like Swan day. And she looks at Egwene, with worry tightening her eyes, and in a bit of anger, she's like, I share your concern, Alana. Whatever this child has done, it does not deserve that. Well, if it assuages your feelings, you can visit Chiriam, but it's between you two strictly. I'll not have said I held up to ridicule, even in the tower. And up open her mouth to confess all and let them take the ring. She's like, I don't really want it. Really. But Alana stops and she's like, and the other mother? She's like, don't be ridiculous, daughter. She's very angry and seems to get more angry over and over every passing word. She's like, you'd be a laughingstock inside the day except for those who decided you were mad and don't think it would not follow you. Tales like that have a way of traveling. You'd find stories told of the Scully and Aes Sedai from Tyr to Maradon, and that would reflect on every sister. Now, I would like to point out that this could become a relevant f- function later on in the series. You might want to take this away for later. and she's like well if you need to get rid of some guilt and cannot handle it like a grown woman well you know you may visit Sherry accompany her tonight when you leave here that will give you the rest of the night to decide if it was any help and tomorrow you can start finding out what went wrong here tonight. Alana's like yes mother and Egwene's desire to confess died because Alana had shown only a brief flash of disappointment when she realized the Amelon wouldn't allow her to join Egwene in the kitchens And she's like... She doesn't want to be punished more than any sensible person does. She just wants to be excused to be in my company. I'm like... Why would she need an excuse to be in your company? She could sit there and just... Watch you. If she wanted to. Not like she has better things to do or anything, right? She apparently has time to go... Clean the scullery. But... Then all of a sudden... The Omerlin looks over at her, and she's staring at her, and just like, Well, since you seem to be asleep standing up, I suggest you go to bed. Then she flashed to the nearly concealed papers in Egwene's hands, like, You have much work to do tomorrow, and many days after. So she held on to Egwene's eyes, and then strides away, and Cheryam rounds on Ana, just like, You are mad! A fool, and doubly a fool, if you think I will go lightly on you because we're novices together. Are you taken by the dragon, to? But then Shiryam's aware of Egwene and the target of her anger shifted. And she's like, didn't I just hear the Amralin order you to your bed? Accepted. If you breathe a word of this, you will wish I had buried you in a field of manure to the ground. And he's like, I'll see you in my study in the morning when the bell rings first and not one breath later. I'm like, Well, what if I hold my breath? <laughs> That's how I would respond. Although I'd probably get in trouble. I'm not saying I wouldn't possibly get in trouble. I would definitely get in trouble. Um, But Egwene heads out, her head spinning, just like, well, who can I trust? The Omerlin? She set us off chasing 13 to the Black Ajah and forgot to mention the 13 is just the number needed to turn a woman who can channel the shadow against her will. So who can I trust? And it's like, well, the Amralin, obviously. <laughs> the Amralin wouldn't tell you that if she was one trying to, you know, do you in. She would just... Soundproof the walls, wrap you up in air, gag you or whatever, bring in 13 merge 12 other sisters, and bam, you're done. Although I have a feeling that they only turn you if you are Aes Sedai, because if they try to turn you and you're accepted and you try to go through the tear again, that could cause some crazy mishaps and you'd be in trouble. In other words, getting raised to Aes Sedai would end up being kind of a kaflooey. But anyway, um, she's like, oh, well, what can I do? I don't want to be alone. I have to head to my accepted quarters. Apparently that's her new living quarters. But she heads over there and goes to Nynaeve's door. And she's like, oh, I can trust her with anything. Her and Elaine. Like, Elaine's just a of girl you just met, like, months ago. Like, you're always like... I've known Nynaeve my entire life. I've known Elaine for a couple months. I can trust Elaine with everything. I can trust Nynaeve. Like, that's a little over the top. But she heads in, and Nynaeve's sitting on one of the chairs with Elaine's head buried in her lap, and Elaine's just sobbing like crazy. And Nynaeve seems to be crying, but not quite sobbing. Um they all apparently have their rings on and they're clutching each other with it. It's like, okay. So Elaine lifts her face red and swollen from long crying, sniffling. And she's like, I could not be that awful. I couldn't. I'm like, Oh yes, you could. (laughs) Yes, you could. You're too stupid to be otherwise. Um, but there's this accident with the Tiran you know, her fear that someone might have read the papers, the suspicions of everyone in the chamber, because our Logoth, you know, all of these things have been terrible, but they had been buffered by, you know, what happened inside the Tiran And then, now she's on the other side, that buffer gets stripped away and everything hits her. And, you know, Rand her husband, Joya her baby, Rand Pinbigger to kill him, Rand uh, ran Chained to be gentle and then uh, apparently she just goes forward and collapses on the other side of Nynaeve's lap and it's like I couldn't help him I just left him there and Nynaeve flinched as if struck like that's what happened in hers and the next moment her arms were around both Egwene and Elaine rocking them saying hush it, it eases with time a little bit and one day we'll make them pay our price hush now to be fair Nynaeve does he makes them pay not how the, an average person might think about it, but she does make them pay. Um, and I like it, and it's one of the things I like about naive is how she does it. Um, veterans might get what I'm saying, but uh, I can explain more detail if you send me a message or something. But it's a cool theory, although it's more of a th- it's more than a theory since it actually happens. But it is a fun way to. Show off what happened (laughs) And it it ends up good for everyone So, it's all good But anyway, um, Nynaeve hushes them And that's the end of the chapter I made it extra long Unfortunately, sorry For uh, going into all the breakdowns And details, because that's Kind of my niche But anyway That was chapter 23 So um, What'd you guys think? I'd love to hear what you guys thought was going to happen versus what actually did happen. Um, any theories on any extra details, anything like that. Maybe what you think is going to happen now after this is going to be interesting, but I would definitely love to hear your guys' thoughts and input. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook, which is just tales of a red arm or on Twitter, which is at tales of a red arm or you can reach out also directly, which is tales of a red arm at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear your feedback, any complaints, any, (laughs) uh, positive stuff, whatever it is. I'd love to hear from you guys. And yeah, let me know what you thought, but we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. So we'll have a a little bit of preparation for chapter 24 next week slash episode chapter. And uh, I gotta say I chapter 24 is a really fun. It's a classic because of what goes on in it. But I, I love that chapter. It's so much fun. So we'll uh, see you guys around next time for that. So thanks for hanging out until next time. We night and, and dance all day, and on the, the girls, girls will send our pay. And when <laughs> we're done, then we'll <laughs> awake to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and struggle the girls, be they short or tall. And follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll, we'll toss the dice to however, the however they fall And some of the, the guts be they shot or tall, tall Then follow Lord we'll Matt,
1: wherever he calls
0: he To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll, we'll give a yell with a bloody curse, curse And hug the maids it could and be worse we'll run run away, away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack of the Shadows